Hello, 30-day trial listeners. I am Weston, and we are here for week number four with Stock Market Investing. Unfortunately, Clark cannot be with us today, but I do have our first guest ever on the podcast, Becky, and she has much more experience than Clark and I do in stock market investing. So, Becky, would you like to say hi or maybe give our listeners an idea of who you are or what you've done? Hey, Weston. Uh, It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, So yeah, I'm happy to share my thoughts, um, what I've learned. Um, I'm not a master by any means, but um, I have made it work and I've created a revenue stream based on what I've done with the market. So it's been fun and uh, continues to be an ongoing learning process. Awesome. Yeah, we are happy to have you here. And I know we talked a little bit before hitting the record button, but in our last couple of weeks, Clark and I have reviewed what I would consider the basics. So like going over what a stock is, what the Dow Jones or NASDAQ represents. We've also dived a little bit deeper and kind of reviewed what ETFs are, mutual funds, how dividends pay out on individual stocks. I've actually purchased and set up my own personal Roth IRA while doing this this month. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, But that's kind of where we've ended. Uh, We haven't dived too much into buying individual stocks or doing this as like a daily habit or a job um, or really as a serious way to add monthly income to our revenue streams. I think both Clark and I have come at it as mostly like a long-term investment for retirement, um, which for Clark and I is basically like decades away. Um, So it might be a little bit different than what some people are using stock markets for. So um, what's your goals or what's your kind of day-to-day life look like when you're talking about stock market or investing in the stock market? Uh, Yeah, great questions. And I think the way you guys have approached it, what you're doing personally, is right on target. Um, So I was just like, you know, everybody else and didn't, you know, I had some retirement accounts, they were in, you know, some mutual funds, some fixed retirement accounts, but I was not man and I was managing taking a look at kind of the annual performance and that sort of thing and giving my two cents to whatever umbrella that they were under. But um, then I started to build up some cash and, and decided to open a trading account. So I had started with Ameritrade, you know, some people like Fidelity. There's a lot of different platforms that are out there today. A really popular one online is Robinhood because you can buy fractional shares. But that's how I got started. And when I got started, and I probably got started about 10 years ago. So I was just dabbling with it. And I had the strategy and the thought and, you know, there's, at the beginning, I didn't even really know or think about what my strategy was. It was really just to <laughs> earn some money and, and increase it. So I would buy stocks and I would hang on to them in a sense. And then there was a time, so I, I happened to get in and had bought Amazon when it was at $80. And I remember selling at 200 I took my profits because I wanted it for some uh, towards a down payment. So this is just one example. I had sold it and then I got back into it again, which I didn't really think I would have at, I think I actually got back in at 400 and I got back in a little bit at 700. Well now, you know, it's at 3,400 and you know, it's, it's gone up considerably just in the last day or two. Um, But that's been a span of 10 years over that. Um, I think one of the things that I'm still developing and still learning is what is my strategy? What is going to work for me? And for everybody, it's a little bit different. Like you mentioned, Wes, with you and Clark, you know, the strategy is more longer term. I really believe in buying good stocks and holding. Um, The market is going to fluctuate all the time, up and down. But historically, it makes more sense, you know, over time. And so there's nothing wrong with that kind of philosophy. If you're, you know, there's, and maybe you're balancing your portfolio with gross stocks, dividend stocks, defensive stocks, or maybe just hot picks or strategy and kind of balancing that out and balancing out sectors when you kind of think about your overall portfolio. But that's how I got started. I started dabbling. Um, I learned some things and made some mistakes. Um, I was very careful in, and I was always taking 
part of, let's say, my monthly income, and it was going straight into my Ameritrade account, and it was just a automatic. So I wasn't always buying, but I was trying to build that up so that when the market was down or there was a time to buy, I was in a position to do that. A um, couple things I learned about that. If you do go and you open an account, Ameritrade or Fidelity or whatever, you know, make sure it's a straight trading account. When I started, it was $9.99 per trade. So I didn't get in the habit of doing any trading. I didn't want to be charged that $9.99 every time I bought or sold. So I would try to buy and hang on to it. And um, I even, you know, I got into Google when it was like at 100. Now it's like at 1400. So, but that's been a process. And so um, the, you know, now the trades are free for Ameritrade. I'm not sure what Fidelity's platform is, but now there's no cost to buy, you know, buy and sell. So there's absolutely to do that. And Wes, you had mentioned the Roth. I just recently, I have a Roth, but I recently opened one in Ameritrade because I can actually trade within a Roth and there's different tax benefits to doing so. You know, if I, you know, the, I don't want to get too far off point here of the investing, but, you know, if you sell your stocks at the end of the year, you run a report on your cost basis and whatever your profits are, you're going to pay capital gains taxes on that. So right now, the fees gains taxes, if Trump's tax things, you know, these are the other things you have to watch is what's happening in the economy overall and politically, because those things can have an effect. But if those tax cuts get repealed, if Biden wins and Trump's tax cuts get repealed, then the capital gains tax is going to double. So those are things to kind of consider. So when people are pulling things out, they're going to be taxed that much more. So timing on that stuff really can make a difference. Um, but my strategy was to kind of go in, buy, hold. I was also looking at blue chip or high performance companies been there like a Coca-Cola, McDonald's that also had a good dividend. Verizon's got a great dividend. You know, I think they're at five, six percent. Um, you know, those those stocks that have been around proven performance have a good dividend is actually a really good kind of cornerstone. Um, so that's kind of how I got started and I got into it. Now, as I kind of have been more involved and when I open the account, be careful if you ever do open an account, don't open, you know, I made the mistake of, I didn't realize that if you're calling the person or you're talking to a potential broker at one of these and you're opening an account, open a margin account because a margin account is almost like a credit card you know they so when you log on it tells you you have this much funds available and so if you're contributing to your account and you all of a sudden you know you've got you in a sense have more to trade with but it's actually on a loan and they're charging you the interest on the other side so that was one of the the mistakes i made early on i didn't realize that the individual had I had gotten into a margin account. So I had to sell everything, get completely out of that account and open another one. Um, so, but now you can just basically take a simple trading account and do okay. But in terms of what I look for in things today, um, you know, I, especially with COVID really kind of jumped in to take a look at this a little bit differently. So now I have besides long-term growth, you know, my focus now is high growth on some really fast moving, potentially IPOs or some ones that I can maximize because I'm much closer to retirement than, you know, Weston, you are, as you know. Um, so that's a focus for me. And then also taking a look at an additional income stream. So what I realized, though, and what I've learned is the I'm not. I wouldn't consider myself if, if there were three different levels of, let's say, traders, there was the individual that's the day trader that all day long they're buying and selling and trading. Okay. Then that's one individual. Then there's the long term. I'm probably the person in the middle. You know, I do follow the markets regularly. I mean, I probably spend I probably spend at least anywhere from an hour and a half to two to two and a half hours a day related to my financials, what I would call my financial touch. You know, what's the market okay. doing, what's going on? I take a look at it. Now that might be, I'm in some financial Facebook groups. Um, I follow a couple of the financial shows that are out there. Um, you know, I look at, I've got Kiplinger's Magazine, which is a good magazine. If you just want to kind of get a good overview of investments, they cover everything from Ross and, you know, stocks and real estate and everything else. Um, 
So I try to continue to learn and grow on that process. And when it comes down to, you know, the IPOs, you know, I think the other thing I've learned, um, so I'll use a good example. Snowflake was the biggest IPO that hit this, this month, this year, the biggest IPO in the history. So um, it's a technology kind of cloud, you know, it's in that whole space, but they were supposed to come out at 80 bucks a share. And then what typically happens, and you can't get it at that because the institutional investors, you know, they buy up a lot before it actually gets to the open market. When it gets to the open market, it could be double the price. Well, I think it came out of the gate at over 200. Maybe it was, I think it was 200. So I had been up early to put my orders in to try to get it. And I was even thinking, okay, if it's going to be released at 80, maybe I can pick it up at 120, but I wasn't going to go too far above that even though I know a run-up on an IPO is pretty good. Well, it came out of the gate like at 230, 240, um, which is, if you really look at it, the dynamics of it and the multiples of it, it's just way, way, way overpriced, as is a lot of the tech companies right now, too, very overpriced. And so, um, you know, but there were other IPOs, and I'll just talk about IPOs from it, like Airbnb is coming out, you know, I think in the next week or two, it might even be next week. Um, so there's certainly a run up on IPOs at the beginning. But what typically happens, and I made this mistake early on was trying to get into those IPOs. And when they whatever it was, just get in how whatever high is it ran that day. Well, a lot of times it will drop, you know, a week later, two weeks later, two months later, three months later, it settles in and then it really drops to the low. And those are better what they call entry points to get in. So it's a matter of following every day and following the industry, following what's going on. Like there have been COVID, what they call COVID plays during all of this that, you know, Costco's one. That's one really good stock that's done really, really well in COVID. Um, you know, Domino's Pizza is another one. They have just... <laughs> So they're, they're, those kinds of companies are what they're calling COVID stocks and, and Domino's had the technology to deliver quickly and to get that done and take orders online. So they were like right there in, in the front of the line. You know, will COVID always be there? You know, most likely not. So there's been there's the technology stocks have soared because everybody's been online and we've really moved forward maybe five to 10 years in terms of our technology. Mm-hmm. So that's a good place to be. But then you go ahead and you take a look at oil. And with everything that's gone on, now oil is at the, a really, really low part. But in some people's minds, that's a great buying opportunity. If you look at the travel and hospitality, the same thing, the cruise lines, you know, all the travel and hospitality are really, really low. Um, you know, those those are really technically buying opportunities. But some people don't have the patience, especially if they're a day trader, they're not going to want to buy and sell that right then and there. But yeah. it's a good long-term company that's been around for a long time. Well, then, you know, you can get it. Now, would I necessarily, like, I'll give you an example. I bought a little bit into that, like in March when everything really tanked. And I thought, okay, I'm going to buy low kind of hospitality. We take a look at Boeing. I think they're at about 160, maybe their stock price. I don't know what they are today, but they were up to three, 380, something like that. So eventually now when that stock's going to soar is if the stimulus deal goes through just for airlines and hospitality, that sort of area, that thing will kind of take off. Um, so those are the things that you don't really have any control over, but some people pay attention to and you're going with, is this going to happen or not happen? So I'll take some of those calculated risks, but I'm very cautious on those kinds of risks and I really pay attention. So now if today I was going to buy you know, cruise lines, I'd probably wait because we don't know what's going to happen. It keeps getting pushed back when they're actually going to launch. So I do think the entry point to get in will be will be some time yet to get in at a lower price, but they can go up in a second. If a stimuli package goes tomorrow, the airlines will go up. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you take a look at something like Zoom, which has had a huge run, right? I think it's up to like 650% or something. So I missed the entry point of Zoom. I didn't think, I thought Zoom might've been a little bit of a fad at the beginning. I wasn't quite sure, you know, 
And so, and but there's a good executive there that's leading the way that was at Facebook, which points to the leadership of companies, which is really important besides having good products, good service, you know, being profitable. The leadership is really important too in the industry and what's happening and then the political side. So all those things factor into how somebody's going to decide or how people do decide if they're going to buy a stock. But now Zoom is up to what, 400, you know, plus. It's, now I think I just. It's 518 right now. Okay. So it's 518. So when I think I read where the price target on that now they're saying is 600. So, you know, is that likely to stay around? You know, there's questions. Will Microsoft team, will some of the other ones, you know, come into it and, and will it have legs to stay around and will they be able to diversify like some of the other tech companies like a Google or Amazon or Facebook? So, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but there are, you know, I still am not, for me, it's been really priced quickly and it's grown quickly. So you, you have what's called the opportunity cost, right? Mm-hmm. If you buy something like cruise lines or you buy something that's really low and let's just say there's no stimulus package and it doesn't come back up for, you know, nine months or something. Well, then you're sitting on that stock and that, that, that money, that cash that you could be earning more of a profit in another stock is sitting over here. Mm-hmm. So just things to kind of think about. Um, when I look at a stock and the way I evaluated it, I think you were asking, you know, Wes on, and you mentioned the dividends. So I certainly look at dividends, although a lot of the tech and the new companies and the IPOs, you know, they're not going to have the dividends, but I do like to look at dividends. Um, I also look at, you know, beta, which is a measurement of the relationship between the price of a stock and then the movement of the whole market. So, for example, if something's like a beta of 1.5, for every one point in the market, this stock will move 1.5. So every one point the market moves, this particular stock would move 1.5 if, if you know, that's the beta. The lower the lower than it is, the lower number, it's considered more of a defensive and less volatile stock. The lower the beta is, also less risk and a lower return. The higher beta stocks are a little more riskier, but they can provide bigger returns. I just like to look at that. I like to kind of look at that. I mean, if it's a really high beta, you know, um, if it's one, if it's one and a half, then I feel like, okay, you know, that might be reasonable to consider. I look at price per earnings, you know, which is the share price, um, which you guys may have covered divided by the company's annual net income, you know, and really if it's a, you know, sometimes they, uh, you know, what they call a PE ratio and cheaper doesn't always mean that it's a good stock, but you know, the average price per earnings ratio in the S&P 500 is like 13 to 15. That's kind of an average. So if they say it's trading at 25 times, the current PE is 25 times earnings, then that's kind of considered a more expensive stock than what the average PE is in the S&P 13 to 15. So a lower PE can mean that it's undervalued it might be doing exceptionally well, but it might be undervalued. But just to give you an idea of like, I looked up a few of them quickly to see what the current, like Tesla's PE is at 57, I think, or around there. Amazon's is at 126, but then Walmart's is at 28 and Google's at 24 and General Motors is at 5.75. So, you know, the, If I looked at all those and I would say, what's, you know, just looking at the PE, what's the best buy? Well, Amazon is, so that means Amazon priced at 126 means it's trading at $126 is, or 126 is the PE. So it's trading at 126 times that future earnings, which is expensive. Now they've got the revenue and the business to kind of support that kind of growth. But that's an expensive stock at the price where it is. But then you look at Google, which it's only 24 times. That's a and they they've been saying that Google's undervalued. Um, You know, Walmart is moving into more and more digital. I can't remember who some of the recent uh, partnerships that they made were, um, but that's at 28 times. So that's not bad. But sometimes you can find stocks that are at 10, 11, 12, and they're good stocks. So I do keep an eye on that. Um, okay. That's the other 
keep an eye on. And then the the other last one that I try to kind of keep an eye on is the EPS and the earnings per share. And I don't know if you want me to go into that, Wes, or you wanted to talk about uh, something else. Yeah, why don't we quickly touch on it? I, I mean, I think this is exactly what I expected. You've spent years. Some of the things that you're talking about, I haven't even heard about to read about, which is awesome. That's exactly why I invited you on was to be the, you know, the sensei, the master of this. So, um, no, I, I yeah, go ahead. And then I ha- I've been writing down just a few probably more basic follow up questions I have just based upon some of the things that you've been talking about. So go yeah, f- finish finish okay. your thought up. So the, the so you know dividend, the beta, the price for earnings, the PE ratio, and then the EPS. And you can kind of look at all of those as the multiples when they talk about the multiples of a stock. Um, but the EPS, the earnings per share, usually it's one to 99. And if it's at like 99%, it's exceeding the highest growth rate, 99%. Um, but really it's earnings is really the net income that a company makes divided by the shares that are outstanding. And the, so, you know, typically the higher it is generally means more investors are willing to pay higher dollars for the worth of that, the earnings of that. So like an Amazon, they're willing to pay more. Um, Typically above 30, they tend to have higher growth rates and the expectation of a profit turnaround. So if it's a negative earnings per share, then the company is really losing money. So, you know, those are typically the things, you know, besides like the things I mentioned that are important in, you know, management team, they talk a lot about management team, the industry trends and sectors, you know, is another one. Um, Right now, in terms of kind of what's on the horizon, anything that's supporting 5G, of course, is on the horizon. I mean, there are the, the, you know, all of the, you know, chip makers, everybody that's involved in that whole developmental process, right, of 5G and the rollout, which is why Apple's getting so much, you know, attention, all of that. But, you know, sometimes it's the synergistic companies that support that. So, for example, you know, there's, I think it's Crown Castle, American Towers. It's actually the towers, right, that, you know, are really benefiting. Those are actually good little stocks. You know, so sometimes it's these things that are the offshoots of that company that's really taking off, the supplier to an Apple, you know, or Qualcomm with the semiconductors, the chips. Yeah, that's who I just... Because I think Qualcomm's a local San Diego company, so that's just who I I Googled. And they're, they're... Oh, I'm on a one day... Their stocks going up, but it's real volatile all over the place on a last couple of days. Yeah, and there's you know here's the thing this the, and that brings up you know the what they call the VIX, the volatility of the market. So I don't think in the time I've been doing this, I've seen more volatility than what I've seen this year with COVID, with everything else and the political climate and everything else. The volatility has been, you know, it's way up, way down. And if you're going to get into trading, even if it's just a little bit of trading, you almost, you really got to stomach through those days. You know, what I've noticed and what I had to really kind of develop was the discipline. When the market starts going up and up and up, you know, you, you get that adrenaline that everybody else is getting. And it's that kind of mindset that I got to get in now. It's going, it just keeps going up. Well, it's never going to keep going up. The best thing to do is if you missed it at the entry point, sit and wait and follow the market. I mean, I have them, I have, you know, my whole account on my phone. I look at it two, three times a day, what the market's doing, what's up or down. If I've got a little bit set aside and I'm going to invest, Market might be up X amount, but the stock I've been eyeing is down three, four, five percent. Well, that's the time I'm going to snag a couple of shares. Mm-hmm. But you have the discipline, and the best thing to do it, like when the market really tanks. So, you know, again, you know, I'm not. This really doesn't have any political bearing, one direction or the other. But you do have to understand how closely it affects things. So, you know, if in fact, you know, there's a lot of talk that everybody's going to people are going to pull out of the market if Biden gets in and they're all going to pull out. Well, if 
people pull out. The reason they would be pulling out is because the Trump taxes will be repealed and the, the whole thing will go back to the increased taxes. So that means they're going to be paying additional taxes on what they've been earning in their investments. So if they pull it all out, then it's just like that whole thing where everybody starts pulling it out in the market really, really tanks. Mm-hmm. Unless they come back yeah. and they take it and they put it in real estate or they put it other places, then that's going to be a problem. So, you know, you have to be careful of these things that can be affected, you know, by it. I mean, there's certain things that, um, you know, are just really to try to keep an eye on. You know, I always try to look at the 52-week high and the 52-week low of that particular stock to know, is this a good buy? Where is it at? You know, and when everything tanked with COVID, you could see that, oh my gosh, I mean, they certainly were at 52-week lows, but they were so far down. A lot is, you know, they've come back, you know, some only halfway though, some only a third. So depending on what happens, you know, like financials has been down since all this is going on. But if there is another stimulus package, then now might be the time to kind of enter back into that sector. If you look at healthcare and you look at, you know, if there was a crystal ball and you knew the company that was going to pick up the vaccine, you know, who's going to get it? What top companies? Um, Abbott Labs is company in that space, you know, of medical that's benefited from COVID, but they're really doing that. They have the testing labs. So that's been kind of a good stock that's that had some potential. So all these things kind of affect, but there's all kinds of opportunity. That's what I would say. And, you know, it's one of the things like Ford stock, you know, look at General Motors, it's five bucks now. Ford stock is at like seven. Those are good companies that will come back. And so the entry point, you know, there's nothing keeping anybody from buying, you know, a share price at something like that and just getting in. And, you know, I I really believe in learn by doing. I mean, that was kind of the the college I went to and that's always served me well, you know, constantly learning, but getting in and, you know, you learn a little bit each time you pick up new terms, you pick up this, you read more, you participate, and there's never been a better time to be able to get so much information online. Well, and that's one of the little questions that I wrote is when you're talking about Amazon stock for $3,400 a share, someone like me who, I don't know, I guess I consider myself to be middle class, at least in Southern California or like low middle class. Like I'm not worried about finding dinner tonight or being able to fill up my gas tank, but I can't buy a Lamborghini. So I think that puts me somewhere in middle class. But like when I look at Amazon at $3,400, there's just no way that I guess I could afford to buy a stock or two of that maybe. But if it goes up $100 or $200 or goes down $200, it still seems like just such a big buy-in cost that for me, looking at something like you said Ford or General Motors, because I could put that $3,000 in and buy whatever that is. What's that come out to be like 90 shares? So then if the stock goes up by a dollar, then you know I've made a couple hundred dollars or it goes down. So it's higher risk, higher reward. But it just seems like being able to get more skin in the game by buying more multiples of a cheaper stock, at least to me personally, seems like where I'm at in my life would be the way to go versus buying like just one share in Amazon just seems so silly to me. I mean, even if it's going to keep going up steadily over time, there's just so little growth because if it goes up by 10% or, you know, 20% in the next two years, that's still only $75 or, or like the earnings for it just because it's so expensive to buy in. So do you have any thoughts on kind of the idea that especially people I don't know I don't think I've said how old I am so I'm in my mid early 30s so people of my generation or my age or maybe even slightly younger feel that the stock market is either too complex or 
only basically for rich people because if you look at it, like I just said, a, a share of Amazon's thirty four hundred dollars, and for some people, that's two months worth of rent. So, how would you give advice to someone maybe on the lower age scale or the lower income level, or they're just not as invested in the stock market? So they're you know they're looking at buying their first. 10 shares of something or, 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 or what would, do you have any words for those people that are kind of starting out maybe where they're just scraping by? Yes, definitely. And that's a great question. So um, if you ever get the chance, there's a great book, it's called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And it's not about specifically investing. I thought it was at the time that I got in there, but it's really about mindset and it's about, you know, really, maximizing your performance and what you do. And it talks about companies and how it's really, it's really an interesting book, but in one of the chapters, it talks about kind of the windfall and how the water flows and the water flows down to this river on the wealthy side. And it flows down to this river on the poverty side. And that sometimes people find themselves in that river. They didn't really know how they got there. And some, you know, if you find yourself in the poverty river, they don't recognize that there's oars to get over to the other side. And those oars are the free entry point. So I believe wholeheartedly, even if somebody's making, you know, $10 babysitting or $15 at a fast food restaurant, you know, they could easily put five or $10 aside for a week and get into the market. There are stocks that are like that. There's a lot of stocks under $10. Now, here's the thing, you know, and that might be the best place to get started and build up. Let's say when you build that up and then you say, okay, I want to, now I've got that built up to $100 or I've got it built up to $200. Well, then you have the option to look at some of the more expensive stocks. And one of the things you want to consider is you could buy a stock for $5 or $3 or $8 or whatever the case is. And maybe that's the best way to get in a good buy, let that kind of grow a little bit and nurture, and then you can sell some of that and move your way up, just like you kind of move from real estate and your way up. You want to start with, you know, some people have a cousin that started in a trailer and then moved to a condo, then moved to a one bedroom home, then moved up and then moved up. So, you know, it's that kind of a thing, but you have, can, when you, that book I was telling you about Napoleon Hill and um, Think and Grow Rich talks about your mindset. If you can't see it, if you can't visualize it, if you can't see yourself there, then you're, you're definitely not going to get there. But if you can believe it and then you can start to develop the principles and put a plan in place, grow from that section over to the other section. So, you know, the thing is, the opportunity is there. There's no cost to get in, you know, other than, you know, if you're going to buy a stock at five bucks, it's five bucks. So yeah. that's one thing I'd say. The other thing that I would say is, you know, I used to think exactly the same way you were kind of thinking, Weston, about, well, I'd rather buy, let's say I've got $70. I'd rather buy seven shares, you know, at 10 bucks than buy one share of a $70 stock. But here's the thing. If I buy one share of the 70 versus the 10 shares at $7, the question is in six months, it's $70 either way. The question is, will that 70 be $72? Will it be 65? Or will it be $100 or 85? So in that it really doesn't matter because what it is, is it's that return. Now, you may not be able to get into the, the more expensive ones, but I'll, this is the other thing that I've, now that I've been in and playing with this long enough, I've gotten to be part of a couple of stock splits. So, you know, Apple was recently at 400 and they did a stock split. So the stock split, you know, now, and, and it's no different. Your, your value is no different when it splits, but now the entry point is lower. So more people and what, you know, more people come into the market, you know, more people are coming in and buying. And so th sometimes that happens. It would not surprise me if Amazon split or Google, there's talk of Google splitting, you know, now maybe they're still at really high price points, but if you work your way up that ladder, you'll be in a position at one point in time to do that. But the other thing I wanted to mention that's really been popular, uh, especially with the millennials and since COVID 
is Robinhood. And that's a platform that's online that allows you to buy fractional shares. So I have a friend who that's all he buys fractional shares. So you can go in and buy $50 of an Amazon share or $50 of an Apple share, and you're not buying the whole thing, but you have a fraction. They're called fractional shares. So I've not done that, but more and more that's become very popular. And um, actually, Robinhood, there have been a lot of conversations as to that platform. And if that's been the thing that's increase the volatility of the market because all these day traders, people that were home with COVID that got into trading and wanted to do that were buying and selling all day long on Robinhood um, and, and how much that's affected potentially the prices up and down every day. So, you know, I don't know, but those are just things to think about. But those are, you know, things I would think about as you're trying to kind of get in. And the point is you get in and you just start somewhere. Yeah. No, I, I think that makes sense. And yeah, I've heard, or I have not played with Robinhood, but I know there are a couple apps too. I think there's one called Acorn and there's another one called, oh, it is Robinhood. I just checked my phone. So I've played around with that a bit and, um, and not too much. I haven't put too much money into, into Robinhood. It was more of a, a learning thing, kind of a see what it's about. Um, so I think, yeah, we answered that question. And then one of the things that I've heard a lot while talking about stocks, especially during COVID, and I guess this isn't really going to be a question or maybe just your thoughts on it, is people are, are afraid that of putting money into a stock market right now because if it crashes down to zero, they think they'll lose their all of their money. And I guess they, they rightly would lose all of their money if we had a great recession type crash and everything fell apart. But my response back to them is always, if we had an economic collapse of that level, the US dollar wouldn't be worth anything because it's not by backed by gold or silver any longer. So if the, the stock market collapses because of our economy collapsing, then having that $5,000 in cash shoved under your mattress isn't going to be worth anything either because people are going to want fresh water and food more than they care about paper cash that it has no actual value. Do you have any thoughts kind of on, on that of your, how you deal with the fear of a, a possible future stock market collapse or COVID economy? I know we've talked a little about a defensive stocks and, and how COVID has shaken a lot of things up, especially with different uh, stocks going up and down. Um, but do you just have any thoughts either personally or financially on how you think that people should look at investing as not a waste of money or, or how they should be less afraid of investing because of an unknown future? Yeah, I mean, I think the fears, um, you know, certainly in this day and age, you know, um, it's hard not to <laughs> be thinking about, you know, what might, and especially if you turn on any news, right? There's, there's, there's just a lot of, a lot of that coming across. I think what's important is I believe in diversified portfolio. So I believe in you know, there are certain things. I mean, there are CDs, there's buying gold, precious metals. I've always had a little bit in precious metals. Um, so that's something else to consider in terms of diversifying um, some of the mining stocks and things like that. But yes, you're right in or buying straight out gold and silver and having that as something. Um, you know, the, and, and you know, so I, I think, the diversified portfolio, whether you've got a little bit in real estate, whether you've got some in savings, whether you've got some over here in some assets, I mean, whatever it is, I believe in trying to balance that because you don't know what's going to happen, right? But more so than that, I, I you know, and this goes to kind of career things, I really believe in creating, first of all, taking charge of your own career. I think that's so important today. You know, I don't think, I think the days are gone where companies are going to support people. And I think, you know, it's, it's a, everybody has to learn to, you know, 
really take their skills and their experience and figure out how to leverage that in the marketplace and create revenue streams for themselves. If they don't, then they're putting their entire future in here or in there. And that's okay. I mean, if that's what they're going to do. But I really believe that no matter who you are, whatever field of, of interest you're in, it's important to know that you can create some cash flow on your own through goods and services or whatever it is that you can possibly do. And I think that that's just as important. Maintaining cash flow is just as important as trying to make your money grow. You know, the other thing is, you know, it's all kind of about risk and reward, right? I mean, you're, you're not going to get it you're not going to make any returns if you don't have anything. It's like, you know, that saying, right? You're not going to get a hit if you don't, you know, swing the bat, right? You're not going to be able to, you know, achieve some of the dreams and the things you want to achieve if you don't get started somewhere. What you really want to do and what I didn't do early enough was make my money work for me. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, get on this path and we think we've got a, we're on our career path. We're going to, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get a paycheck and then that's it. And so they're dependent on that paycheck. They're dependent on that employer. And then when they lose that, there's no backup. And I just believe that, you know, in today's day and age, everybody should be thinking about what is their backup. So, um, you know, I think there's, there's opportunity and I think it starts with kind of having a dream and a vision. And then I think it goes into knowledge and putting a good plan together and working it. And I, I would say the other thing is, you know, they, there's a, um, there's a, um, a lot of talk about getting involved in, you know, support groups, mastermind groups, you know, people that are no more than you do. You know, I, I recently had heard, you know, I think that you, people tend to be at the same income level as their five closest friends. Yeah. People tend to be at the same success level as that. You always want to be exposing yourself to people who know more than you do. You know, you want to expose yourself to people that have done more that have learned more and you know sooner or later can you imagine if you you know you run around with five people at this income level and you run around five people at that income level how much different you might start to think about things so you know get on these paths that this is how we were raised by you know our parents and our parents were raised this way and a lot of times our, our thought process on money is is that genealogy, you know, component that goes all the way through the heredity. Um, and that's how we think of it. And people think this is, this is where I'm at. This is my life, you know, that I can't change it. But that is the beauty of America. You know, we do have the freedoms to do that. And, you know, that's, that's how it gets started, you know. And you could um, you look at some of the great success stories um, and how people have, you know, in one or two generations gone from, you know, we take Oprah, who grew up in poverty, I think in Mississippi, right? And now she's a billionaire. I mean, that wasn't 10 generations, right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so my point is that I think that it's possible to move forward in your situation. It's possible to achieve some of the financial goals that you want to achieve. And, you know, it takes effort and it takes energy to try to an interest. You know, if you like it and it's a hobby, then it's it's easier. For people that aren't interested in it, it's harder and it's more of a challenge. But maybe for that person, it's creating more income streams and getting somebody else to try to invest the money and making more of it. Um, but it's all part of the bigger picture, right, and what you're wanting to do to try to live your best life. Yeah. And in the academic world, that's the saying is slightly different, but it's if you're the smartest person in the room, it's time to go to a different room, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we're coming up on our agreed upon time. I have two more quick questions. And we just kind of ended on the one topic of so f- me listening to you it sounds like you kind of enjoy this. Like it's, it's a hobby as well as making money. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. I might be wrong about that. You can correct me if I am wrong, but for, I guess I'm trying to think of how I'm going to phrase my question. Would you recommend someone handle their own 
investments, ETFs, day trading, whatever it is, um, even if they weren't that interested? Or do you think having a, a financial person, I'm, I'm quoting my fingers because I don't know exactly what they're called, paying those fees or those percentages. Do you think if there's someone who just wants to invest for potential extra income slash a better retirement, do you think that they need to be personally involved or do you think that someone can just pay the the percentage fees? Because as you said, you're spending an hour to two hours a day. So do you think that's worth time versus investment money loss? Where do you feel is better yeah. for most people? Yeah. And that's a really good question, Weston. Um, so the reason I'm spending that kind of time right now is because I have some very set goals I want to achieve in the next five years. And so I've got, I want to be in two years where I want to be in five. So I'm, you know, I'm doing a lot to get that stuff in order. Now that, that means, you know, my whole big picture, but that's why I'm more invested in that. Now I've never spent that kind of time in it for years. I would buy and I just leave it alone and I go check on it and that sort of thing. And that's okay too. I'm going to say that I think both is important for, especially someone starting out. So, you know, a financial advisor, whether it's Ameriprise or Morgan Stanley or um, Edward Jones or Merrill Lynch or whoever it is, you, you can start with someone like that. And if you've got, you know, a small retirement account, they, you, there are fees and they're, they're taking a percentage. I mean, for the most part in the industry, if they're doing what's called a managed account, they are for the most part, taking 1%. Sometimes it's one and a half percent, you know, sometimes it's like that. So that is, and there, there's fees on that. And so, and when you have that and you, you can't necessarily call them and say, Hey, I want to get by that $5 IPO stock. That's going to be coming out. Or I want to buy 10 shares of Ford at $70. Can you make that purchase for me? If you're going through a brokerage house, then they might charge you $25 to go make that purchase in that particular account. So it's really just going into mutual funds and and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with doing that. You can do those targeted funds where it's like, I'm going to retire in 30 years, just go ahead and rebalance every year. There's nothing wrong with having some of that as well. And you're going to get your annual return, you know, and it varies depending on what the market's doing, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it can be four, five, six, seven, eight percent, whatever, you know, it depends on what's happening. But in addition to that, if you ever get a little bit of cash or you have a little bit of saved and you want to start on this other path, then I would say just dabble. You know, you don't just just kind of take a look at 10 stocks or 10 of your favorite ones and look at companies that have been around that you just if you have a passion for it, or you like the company and they've been stable like a Coca-Cola or they've been around forever, you know, then Maybe you buy a little bit in one and you just get familiar with the platform. You just get an idea of it and you'll find that at, and you don't even need to do anything else, you know, and then you start watching some financial shows. Maybe you're on a newsletter. Maybe you just read it once a week, once a month, whatever it is. You just start to move little by little on that path. And yeah, you're right. I have a passion. I mean, I, I didn't think I ever had a passion for it, but I do enjoy it, but I'm enjoying it because I'm headed towards a goal mm -hmm. and I'm trying to get to that goal. So, um, do I, well, once I've got things in line the way I want, then I would be, you know, I, I'm not going to spend this kind of time there, you know, on it. So just think of it that way. Um, you know, the other thing with, I did want to go back to your point on the market and getting in, if somebody was going to try to get in right now, I would say, just wait, wait till after the election, because you just don't know what's going to happen. And that is going to play out. There's no question that that's going to play out. I mean, inflation potentially with all this money that's been printed and put into the market, yeah. it all great now and everybody wants it. But, you know, the inflation that's going to come and if, if, you know, if the things switch, if it switches, taxes are going to be, you know, huge. Um, all that stuff is going to be affected in what the end consumer brings home in their paycheck, which is then going to affect purchases of consumer goods. And, you know, the economics and in, in economy is really fascinating when you get into it, but it is all kind of tied together. Um, so all that being said, um, you know, I think 
if, if you don't have a passion, you don't have an interest, I think having a financial advisor is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, just, you know, you want to just kind of know how that works and maybe you'll start to kind of do a little bit on your own over here too. And you might find that you develop an interest and a passion for it. And once you start seeing, paying attention, you know, you might find you want to do more. Okay. No, I, I think everything we've talked about has been very beneficial. I know I've learned some things. I guess maybe our last question is we are definitely coming up on time now. Um, besides waiting until the end of election, if you had 45 seconds to give tips to someone who was just starting out or maybe, you know, had uh, 401k or something. So someone who's not personally managing their own investments, uh, and let's and let's say young on the younger side, so able to accept more risk with longer term until they're cashing that out if they're going for retirement. What in you know a couple sentences, thirty seconds, forty five seconds, would you recommend that they do? How would you have them practice? What apps? What newsletters to sign up for? What? How? Where would you point them? Uh, good question. Um... I think if they're starting to, you know, the, the, the street, Motley Fool, Jim Cramer's always on Mad Money. Those are always good ones. You know, the financial in the morning on the news, the financial news, um, all that. You know, you start kind of Googling, get into the, some of the Facebooks, look at the most popular Facebook groups that are out there in financial. And then there's different segments. You know, there's all kinds of YouTube videos. Pick one section that you want to, whether it's ETFs, you know, or whether mutual funds or whether it's just the, you know, stock market. Um, pick one, you know, I think is important because if you don't, you can get overwhelmed with different fees on ETFs or different fees on mutual funds or front load fees or back load fees or how that all works. And then you just not, don't have any interest, right? Yeah. But Look at it as a lifelong skill that you're going to develop. It's kind of like health and fitness, right? I mean, I really believe everything is cumulative in life. So the bank account, our health and fitness, everything, right? It's cumulative. We're putting in every day in the bank, you know, yeah. our relationships, health, fitness, everything. So, um, you know, just starting somewhere is you're a step further than you were the day before. Yeah. I can relate to that on the fitness level for sure. Yeah, you know. Yeah. All right. I think that sounds like a good place to end. Um, this was our fourth week of stock market investing with 30-day trial. Hopefully, you have learned something, our listeners. And please subscribe and give us that thumbs up or rating depending on what app you are listening to us through and we'll be back next month with a new topic.